Hello and welcome to the Hobby Geek Podcast for Monday, April 2nd, 2018. If you aren't confused by my release schedule, then congratulations. You might be the only person, I myself, am even a bit confused about when I'm releasing. So I can't make any guarantees about when I'll drop podcasts just because there's this whole other thing going on called life, the real world that keeps me busy and Although I do love podcasting, I absolutely look forward to every conversation I ever get to have with someone on my podcast. It still does have to take second place. And here's another interesting thing. It's now, well, here in California, I can't really complain. The rest of you um, probably hate me for this, but we're getting really nice weather. And I want to spend more time actually doing what we all love, which is fly RC. So I'm putting a little less time into the podcast these days, um, which is why I I had a blank last week. But uh, consider this this week's podcast, and I hope to have another podcast up by next Monday. We'll see. Maybe it won't come through. Uh, But I was so happy and so fortunate with the guest this week. Uh, Simone Zunterer out of Germany agreed to do an interview with me. And as expected... I learned a lot. Anytime I sit down with someone, I look at them as you're going to be my teacher for the next 30 minutes, 30 to 60 minutes. And Simone definitely delivered. Now, I'm sure there's probably native German speakers or even non-native German speakers who understand the language who are, you know, yelling at the speaker right now that I'm butchering her name. And I do apologize. Um, she did try and give me the correct pronunciation of her last name on a few, a couple times there, and I just I couldn't get it. Um, but suffice it to say, you'll be able to find her on YouTube. Uh, Simone Zunterer, just um, First Lady of RC Helicopters. You can Google that also, or just search for her name, uh, which I'll have obviously in the show title here on YouTube, and you'll find all of her content. Her story is a fantastic story. Like everyone I have on this podcast, you you really get a sense for how driven people are to get to the levels that they're at. And for Zimone, it wasn't anything, it wasn't a path that was shown to her. She had to create that path. And, you know, there was resistance along the way. And she gets into that, and I don't want to... Um, you know, try and tell her story for her. She definitely goes into it in the podcast. Uh, But ultimately, the thing that really inspires me is the passion and the persistence that she had throughout her journey into becoming a team pilot and becoming a YouTube content creator. It's very evident. And if you ever watch her stuff on YouTube, you'll know that she really takes it seriously puts a lot of time into it and she cares deeply and those are the kind of qualities and traits that our hobby really needs you know it doesn't matter um where you came from or you know who you are it's all that matters is what are you doing are you showing that you're putting in the effort are you showing the respect for others who are out there moving the rc hobby forward and zamoni is one of those people who it's very clear that she has a deep deep passion and respect for this craft that we all love so much um 
so anyway that's enough about that you'll get to know her in the actual interview a couple other things to cover uh like i said i myself am trying to get my youtube channel offline so offline did i say offline i meant online offline would probably be what it is right now but i'm trying to grow this youtube channel so i'm putting vlogs up there i'm going to have another vlog up here shortly probably a few days after this podcast drops with a little bit of flying a little bit of talking and uh hopefully you enjoy it hopefully you subscribe hopefully you tell your friends about it that would be great if you have any questions or comments for me about the podcast actually about anything i'm i'm down to chat about anything um Go ahead and email me at comments at hobbygeek.net. I'll be happy to get back to you. Uh, And I think that's all the yapping I'm going to do before we actually get into the interview here. I hope everyone has a fantastic week. I hope everyone is starting to get some clear skies. I know uh, heading into April, even the folks uh, more up north should be getting some clear weather oh no but the southern hemisphere i forgot about the southern southern hemisphere didn't i you guys will be heading into winter here soon so anyway can't make everyone happy but hope everyone has a great week and get some flying in and we will chat soon okay we're recording so today i am very happy very lucky to have with me all the way from germany via skype Simone Zunterer, who is an SAB team pilot, RC helicopter canopy designer, and YouTube content creator. Simone, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So one of the things that I like to do to kind of get a feel um, for people's origin story, kind of the superhero origin story, you know, when we look at RC flight, specifically RC helicopter flight, it's not an easy thing to do. It takes a significant amount of time, money, you have to overcome frustrations. So to get to the level that you're at with both flying and promoting the RC helicopter hobby, how did it all begin for you? Uh, Do you want the short or the long story? (laughs) Uh, You know what? I have time. It's up to you, whatever you want to go with. Uh, well, I guess most people assume that um, because I always hear it from, you know, Kyle Stacy and all the big people in the business, I always hear that they had a father who supports them. Mm-hmm. And in my case, it wasn't really like that because, um, well, I have to say my father, he always was into RC or let's say modeling stuff, but mm-hmm. it was limited to trains, <laughs> Okay, you know, the the typical model trains you have on the table. So that's not very much anything like uh, RC heli flying. Yeah. And in my family, I was a single child until my teenage times. And I guess my father always wanted to have a boy and not a girl. So um, I was always playing with matchbox cars. Okay. And I guess the only Barbie I had, I had because there was this cool, you know, this, this van you could open up and just... Yeah play with it technically oh and yeah and because i wasn't into any kind of barbie dolls or something like that um yeah and i guess the only rc stuff i did back then was a a boat rc boat my father bought from a local store and he just 
sold it to my mother with the words, uh, yeah, I have to build it so our daughter can play with it. <laughs> but it was really a piece of shit. It was sinking all the time. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was, was a submarine like, slash boat. Yeah, yeah, it was more submarine than boat. But <laughs> luckily, my dad always had to catch it. And I was standing at the shore and just like, Daddy, the boat is sinking again. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned back then how to charge batteries with, I guess, five or six years back then. Mm. But that was the only thing. And uh, my parents divorced when I was eight. Mm. And so my mom, well, typically mom, I would say she was never into anything like that. Mm -hmm. And my dream was always to have something flying because I was fascinated of that. But, um, well, I had most girlfriends, of course, and girls are not into that kind of yeah. hobby. So I was alone with that idea. And, um, yeah, I guess when I was about 15, 16 years old with a bit of well money i collected i bought over ebay a second hand rc plane the mm -hmm. piper cup okay and it said yeah ready to fly it was always already flying and just selling it and yeah but i didn't have any idea how to set it up and center of gravity and stuff i didn't understand mm -hmm. all of that and so of course you can imagine it didn't fly it just crashed and That's most of our rest, first experiences, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's so sad if I look back because flying an RC plane is not really that hard. Uh, well, uh, at the time, at the time, it is. I guess it's your first experience, and there's no foundation whatsoever. Yeah, maybe. especially if you didn't have a sim. Yes, yes. But you know, I was computer gaming, so I had. <laughs> oh, okay. I had a bit of experience on. Uh, well brain thump connection i would say yeah but um yeah with the rest pieces of the plane i was going to the only model shop we had in my small town in bavaria where i come from mm -hmm. and it was mostly more train stuff than really boats or cars or planes but at least they had a bit of an idea and i asked for help and yeah, it was really conservative. So they looked at me and just said, why do you even have that? Over there is the closest store. Just go over there. This is not a hobby for girls. Oh, how rude. Yeah, and that was for me the point where I said, yeah, maybe they're right. I just put the rest of my plane into the bin. Okay. And um, I just forgot about it. And when I was Starting university, I had an exchange semester, so a practical semester where I had to work in a design office mm -hmm. because I studied industrial design. And uh, I was in Munich and my boss, he was actually quite funny and a cool guy. And he said, yeah, my, my uh, brother, he has um, a RC toy helicopter, a really tiny one. And you can fly it indoors. And even if you crash into the wall, it never breaks. Mm. And that brought my attention, just like, oh, maybe I should give it another try. And on the next day, I bought myself that little thing. I, I guess you still remember the silver-lit Pico Z helis. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was my first heli. Okay. And I also tuned it with a little coin under the nose so it flies forwards. Mm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that was, but the, I guess one week later, it got really boring. Yes, um, they do. I went back. <laughs> To, I went back to the store and they sold me a Lama, E-Sky Lama V4. Beautiful. The coaxial one. Yes. And with that one, I was flying indoors in the living room of my mom. I, I had that same one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess everybody had. Yeah, one everyone had that at one point. That one or the llama one, the yeah. V3. Um, yeah, and then I had one attempt of flying it outdoors in our garden, and yeah, it landed in in the in the flower bed, <laughs> and something on the uh, or something broke, okay. and well, again, I didn't have any clue how to repair it, and I found a small group uh, near to Munich, and they offered me to to help me. It was a real just RC heli group. Um, and they said, yeah, we are meeting once a month for having some pizza, just like, yeah, uh, every month meeting and come there and bring your heli and we will show you what spare parts you need and how to repair it. And then we are sure you can do it on your own. Mm -hmm. And they back then had this first Thunder Tiger mini Titan, the, uh, yeah. Raptor 50 nitro ones. And I was just, wow, such big helicopters. Wow. Cool. It's, yeah. And they said, yeah, yeah, just wait. In about one, two months, you also will want to have one. And I said, nah, 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 never. But yeah. two months later, I organized myself with the bare rest of all the money I had from university. I organized a second-hand Mini Titan, a second-hand uh, Graupner transmitter, second-hand Tower Pro servo. So it was really, I don't know why it, why it was flying, but it was flying. Yeah. And that was, well, to say the beginning of a real heli. And I was like teaching everything myself because I was so afraid of doing it wrong and uh -huh. to crash because I knew I wouldn't have the money to repair it. So I was literally sleeping with the manual of my Graupner transmitter under my pillow. Oh. I read it every night yeah. just to be sure that I program everything correctly. Yeah. And I was learning with that one. And um, as it was a Thunder Tiger mini Titan, I started to write in the Thunder Tiger forum. Okay. And try to help other people who had the same setup. And the Which forum was this? From Thunder Tiger. From oh, the Thunder Okay. And um, yeah, the, the team manager saw that and he said, wow, that's awesome. A girl who flies and she's so much into the technical stuff and blah 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 and so he just phoned me and asked me if I want to join the team but of course not with a full sponsoring just like being supported sure and that was really to say my start because back then I um, managed to get a Raptor 550 and with that I was learning even more quickly but I didn't have a simulator until I guess my first loop so it took me about two years to just do fast forward flying and everything without without any aerobatics. Yeah. Yeah, so you took it very seriously once you got into that quote-unquote bigger birds. Yeah. Where, you know, you were double, triple checking everything, which is actually yes. interesting because I think there's this psychological notion when, and, and this is why I think once a person goes into something like RC Heli, they really can't walk away. Maybe they need to take breaks for money or time or whatever, but they can't walk away because the more you invest in something, the actual satisfaction goes up. And it sounds yeah. like you had so many barriers that you needed to jump over um, to, to get to the point where you're flying helis that, you know, it, it's even more... Uh, easy to fall in love in because because you already have invested so much time yeah it would just at the moment it would just be a shame to throw it away yeah i mean at now i'm nine years ten years into that hobby since yeah. i started 
And if I look back at all the things I was building, I was doing setups. I was once when all this flyballist stuff came up, uh, Thunder Tiger had this flyballist system they were supporting, and but they didn't have any flyballist hats for the helis, for the raptors. Mm. So there was just like my my, my uh, team boss just said, yeah, just try to build your own flyballist hat. Well, I can set up and build a heli, but I'm not, uh, um, how do you, yeah, an engineer. Yeah. So they gave me some clues and said, yeah, just rip off the Bell Hiller stuff here and there and this bracelet's here and da 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 So at the end, I don't know why it was flying, but somehow it was flying. Wow. <laughs> so that's all experience I, I have right now looking back and yeah, just so no, you learn so much in, in that hobby. Yeah. Let's unpack that one a little bit. When you built your own fly barless head, what kind of fly barless unit were you using? Uh, that was, oh, it was a, a German one. I guess okay. you don't know it over there. It was called Rondo. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with that. So yeah, they were probably pretty early to the game also. So probably just learning that technology was a significant hurdle too. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't remind me of that. Yeah. <laughs> That it was really a pain in the ass. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's funny to circle back a little bit to talk about your dad in trains. I, I kind of have a very similar background in the sense that no one in my family was into RC at all or really into any kind of hobby stuff except my grandfather, who was a big time train guy. So I was always around trains as a kid, and I even have trains to this day. And I think back like, you know, I really should probably be putting some time because I have some good train stuff in my garage just sitting there. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I don't know if that 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 translates over um, between, you know, going from the the train to having an interest in flying. But I was the same way when I was a kid. No, there was really no one to help me. But I was really fascinated by flight. And uh, it wasn't until I was an adult that I could really afford um, to, to get into it. Yeah, I was I was lucky when I started. It was just the era of helis getting cheaper. You know, it was the years when the T-Rex, I guess it, it was my first year into the hobby when the T-Rex 600 electric came out. Mm. When they all said, well, a heli in that size is electrically not be able to fly. There are no batteries for that. Yeah. I just remember that. And I guess the first 3D videos I saw back then was uh, Alan Sabo. Yes. Junior, when he was flying in Las Vegas, I guess, with his T-Rex 600 electric. And Daniel Yetchin, there was one music flight video he did, I guess, also in the U.S. Uh -huh. with music. And I'm still, still till today, I'm a total fan of music choreographies. I just didn't manage it to get my own done. Yeah. But I still have that on my bucket list. Okay. Um. But these two videos, they just really gave me a kickstart because I saw the one from Alan Sabo and I just said, no, nah, that's not that's not possible. But yeah. uh, you search more for 3D heli and you find Nick Maxwell and all the guys and you just say, wow, I want to do the same. I don't care how much time it will I will spend on that hobby, but I want to do the same. Yeah, I, I think I was probably wowed by the same videos. And also the musical component. And you actually answered one of the questions I did have, which is about choreography. If you ever use music in your flights or if you, um, if you do, what kind of music um, do you like to fly to? But I guess it's a work in progress still for you. 
Yeah, well, let's say to have a proper music choreography, I do myself. Mm -hmm. I was training because I never did competitions in my life. Sure. Well, I did one competition in Spain two years ago, but it was like a, it was planned. Okay. At the at the event itself, they said, "Oh, we need another one for the competition. Just join." Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a freestyle competition, so yeah, I didn't train for it, and I was lucky to make the fifth place out of fifteen, I guess. But um, oh, that's pretty good, top third. Yeah, okay, but you know, it always depends on the level of the other pilots that are with you. So okay. it was a good mixture. I guess the first three were people like uh, Antonio Gomez and stuff. So right. you cannot, <laughs> yeah, you cannot compare to them. But yeah, I was quite happy. But um, a planned competition, I never did that. And two years ago, I wanted to join the, uh, in the UK, the 3D Champs. Mm -hmm. And I was already, I had uh, my set maneuvers, I had uh, in, already uh, a music cut edited, and I was just searching for the last maneuvers to fly to. And freestyle, I said, yeah, okay, you can, <clears throat> in the worst case, you can do that at the end, freestyle. And uh, I was training like hell for that competition because I said, oh, your first competition, you're already nervous, but it's in three months, but you're so nervous. And then I guess... One and a half months before that, my boss just said, oh, uh, I have to cancel your vacations because we have some very big projects. Got it. So, um, yeah, in the halfway of my music choreography, I just uh, stopped because I was really pissed. Yeah. And, um, well, back last year, as one and a half years ago, I uh, fell in love a bit with going to the gym and fitness stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, last year, last season was a bit a mixture between going after work to fly or going after work to the gym. So last year there was not really a plan for doing any competitions. Uh, currently I'm working on a music choreography, which has some parts of the old one, but you know, I was hearing the music of my old choreography so many times that I'm now, well, I cannot hear it anymore. So I want to do something new. But yeah, it's still a work in, in progress. But um, if I'm thinking about the music using, I well, I want to do a mixture between some slow parts, mm -hmm. maybe a smaller rock metal part for mm -hmm. some more smacking stuff. But yeah, the people who know my flights, they know that I'm not into smacking a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, I had some events where they said, yeah, we will put some music in the background for you. And so you have to improvise. Um, I do that sometimes and sometimes it works out really good. If I know the song last year in Turkey, where I was flying with another girl with Daniela, um, they asked us, um, to do something with music. And so in the bus to the flying field, we had to search out for some music and it was also completely improvised, but it worked out fine. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you saying about, um, listening to the music too much i used to be kind of in the music scene and it's the same feeling i don't know how musicians do it like the rolling stones for the last you know 40 years or 50 now probably 50 years they've been playing the same songs and when they <laughs> when they go on stage everyone's going to expect you know their their greatest hits so they probably played them i don't know maybe hundreds of thousands of times and yeah. i think that would just make my head explode um but when you're when you're doing your practicing so are you first putting in significant amount of hours on the sim 
just with your headphones on listening to it and then taking it to the field and maybe putting some earbuds in and doing the same thing or are you doing it all at the field um well let me think how did i do it the last time i guess um the first thing i always do is the music as i edit the music first okay then i think about the maneuvers to fly to that takes most of the time for me yeah because my my catalog of maneuvers is not that big as for a i don't know you know the big ones in the sure. hobby that fly nearly yeah, yeah. everything so i'm really limited okay and um well as soon as i have that i try it sometimes on the sim but normally i directly try it outside on the field because at the sim i don't know i mostly use the sim for learning new maneuvers mm -hmm. but all the things you need in where you need a bit of depth a, a feeling for depth and also for the your surrounding yeah I the sim is not really that practical. Yeah, it really isn't. I think it's, for me, I found the orientation, absolutely, if there's some new maneuver that I'm working on, if I can't get the orientation right in a sim, um, then probably I have no business trying it with the, with the real model. However, at some point, there's nuances, like you said, with depth and just lighting on any given day. And of course, your, your model is never going to perform with the same crispness that it does in the sim for some reason <laughs> yeah yeah that's so true. uh yeah i do find there's a little bit of cap which is unfortunate because i think we're all in the same boat you mentioned the fitness thing i'm the same way i'm a firm believer that <clears throat> you know you really can't build a significant life without having that fitness piece taken care of so forget about career and hobbies if you aren't at least have a healthy heart and you know strong body then you're gonna the other things are going to fall apart. So I'm in the same boat. Like, when can I get a workout in? But I also, now it's getting sunny here. Um, the days are getting longer and I want to be at the field. I want to be flying, but you can't forget about exercise. So it's difficult yeah. uh, balancing everything. I guess I need a rich guy so I can, I, I don't have to work. So I have more time. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. A yeah, rich but that guy. doesn't work for you. No. Yeah, I don't, it's not going to work for me, but. <laughs> obviously. Um, so you know what, you brought up competition. So here in the States, and I'm, I'm not an authority on the subject, but I, of course I follow things. I'm very into the hobby. We're a little more, uh, oriented towards fun fly and there'll be people who are kind of the premier demo guys, but competitions, Hello? um, are not, we don't have that many competitions. It feels Sorry, like you, 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 I, you just, I oh. just didn't hear you for the last 10 seconds. Uh-oh, that's not good. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. The last thing I heard was we, uh, we here in the U.S., we are more orientated into, and then you broke. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say uh, we, we do um, more fun flies, it seems like, mm -hmm. than, than just raw competition, head-to-head -head type competition. What does the competition scene look like in Germany and even greater Europe? Uh, well, for Germany, I can tell you it's not that big here. We, well, maybe in the last years it was a bit more, but um, the competitions we had was more, F we always have F3C and F3N, but Got people it. are not really interested in that. Mm. And um, we had some, I guess there was one or two competitions 
but um, they were open for everyone. So it was just like a pre-competition before Global 3D. So if you are doing well in that competition, you can go to Global 3D. But it was open for everyone. It was not only for German people, but also, let's say, Mirko Cizena could join mm -hmm. it. So, and for me personally, I don't like that idea. I mean, yes, of course, everybody should have the opportunity to go to a competition. But if I'm as a, let's say, medium pilot, if I want to start trying out competition, I would love to go somewhere where they, you have different levels. Yes. So if that I just compete with people that are more or less around my level. And this is the reason why I wanted to go to the UK, because they have some classes just like the rookie class and mm -hmm. intermediates and the experts. And so if you're joining the intermediates, you know, you if you put a lot of work in, you have a chance to land in the top five, top 10, maybe. Yeah. But if you already at the beginning know there are five people that are super good, so you just know, okay, the best chance I have is getting the uh, the third last place. So yeah. you're not really putting the work in. I, I like the sound of classes also. And I think I, I would probably be <laughs> excited about competitions where we could do that too. because And, and not just class, but have your, um, I guess the word would be like a compulsory uh, maneuvers. So you have to demonstrate that you can do these certain maneuvers if you're in this class and then they're judged on yeah. how well you did with those maneuvers, kind of like how the precision plane guys fly. Um, but uh, we have the F3C here too, but um, it, it seems like they're not, every state doesn't have it available. So <laughs> it's kind of hard. Yeah. Also F3C is really not very popular. So we have a bunch of people who do that, but mm -hmm. also if they would do the competition, like, this weekend is the competition. Everybody can come and watch. There are barely no spectators. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've noticed with precision flying on the on the plane side too. It's hard to get spectators because they don't pick up on the nuances. Where, if you get a guy flying 3D smack, well, everyone gets it. They're scratching their head. How does a machine do that? <laughs> right? It's exciting, especially yeah, when they're but, doing it to music. But also, just if. Well, if I go to Global 3D, because from Cologne here, where I live, it's just around the corner, like 40 minutes. Okay. And uh, if I go there, people always ask me, yeah, do you go there on Friday when they have to set maneuvers? I just say, okay, no. First reason, because I have to work. Hmm. Second reason, for me, it's boring. Yeah. And uh, then when I go there on Saturday, they do the music and the freestyle flights. And music flights, I love to watch them. But the freestyle flights... Honestly, also, I am a heli pilot, so I know which maneuvers are difficult and which not. So for a normal spectator with a family, it all looks like, okay, the heli is broken, something is going wrong. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I know what they are doing. But also for me, after three or four freestyle flights, I'm getting bored. Oh, yeah. So, and that's uh, most funny. It's the reason why if I travel to different events, also to uh, outside of Germany. A lot of people come to me, also family guys and mothers and kids, and they just say, oh, we love your flights more than the others because with your flight you had 3D stuff in it, but we could follow what you are doing because you're not flying that hard and that quickly. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. So if that, I had to describe your style, you fly big, which is good. 
Yeah, so I'm, I guess I'm not able to do all that smacking super quick stuff. I guess my brain doesn't handle that. Yeah. I tried it several times, but it's not possible. Yeah, I, I, I watch some of those guys. So I fly the transmitter pinch. Do you fly pinch mm -hmm. or thumb? Thumb. Thumb, yeah. And I watch some of these guys um, on both sides, helis and planes, and they do amazing things in their thumb. And I go, I don't, I just don't think my thumb can even move that fast, <laughs> but they're doing it like, uh, like guys, uh, like Tariq. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The way he's moving, it's just so precise and so quick, but it's all his thumbs. Yeah, I guess. But uh, on the other hand, I guess it's all just practicing, practicing, practicing. Yeah. Um, so at the beginning, I, I didn't think that I could do some maneuvers I do now. So, Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's like, you know, looking back, like you said, when um, I can remember just learning nose in hovering, which mm. now feels really silly, but just sitting the, the model there and you're staring at it, you know, my heart was pounding. And I, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> believe it. I'm doing yeah. it. But you feel kind of silly now. But I, yeah, we, we constantly progress, which actually leads into a, a question that I had. Um, so do you have any tips? when you um, hit w what we would call a plateau, where you feel like, okay, I feel really good about what I know, but I want to learn this other thing, and learning that other thing has me stumped, and I can't get over it. Um, do you have any tips for getting past those, um, or is it just time? Mm, well, I would say on one hand, it's this hobby is just, I always compare it with playing piano. It's... Mm -hmm. It doesn't work from today until tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So you have to try new stuff, but you also must not um, enforce yourself to learn something new. If you just see that you are stuck and you are just trying to force it, I guess it won't work. Mm -hmm. uh, I would rather search for maneuvers you really enjoy and you, want to, you, you love to learn mm -hmm. because I guess it's all about motivation. I speak three languages. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's the same if I would have to learn a language I don't like. Mm -hmm. I, it would take me ages. And yeah. with the Spanish, for example, I always loved that language. And I wanted to learn it. And I was watching movies in Spanish. Even mm -hmm. I didn't understand a word, but it just sounded so nice. Yeah. And so if you have the motivation and you really want to learn something, then it will go so much quicker. And even if that doesn't work, I would say... Try another thing that maybe will be kind of basic for that for that other maneuver. So, okay. for example, I right now I fly some maneuvers, or I I always said, okay, I don't like the pyroflip mm -hmm. because I just don't like pirating maneuvers, with some exceptions. But normally, pirating maneuvers, I just don't like them. Mm. But I said, yeah, pyroflip. Everybody says if you are a 3D pilot, you have to know the pyroflip. Blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. So I tried to learn it. And of course, as I didn't have a motivation for that, it took me ages. Mm. And um, so I started to do something. Oh, it doesn't have a name. It's just like if you push the, if you are inverted hovering and you mm -hmm. push the heli up mm -hmm. and then instead of just giving it um, a bit of elevator, mm -hmm. you're just doing half a pirate. Yeah, I, I would call that maybe like a piro turn. I don't know. Yeah, yes. But you're not really steering the, the cyclic. You are just giving it a bit of, of tail movement and you just let it run. Okay. You're not really steering it out. So yeah. um, 
I started with that and to do it as a transition between some maneuvers. And then I realized that without even knowing it, I was steering a bit of the cyclic mm. to control it properly. Yeah. And you had a stir to, and you didn't yeah. even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, when I tried half a year later or a year later to pyro flip again, I just realized that I passed the part where I was stuck and yeah. it worked really, really better. Yeah. I still cannot do it on the exact same place like the pros. So in one meter height without any movement to either side, I cannot do that. But it's still a maneuver. Well, I don't really love it, but it's okay. But I have some maneuvers. I just say, okay, I want to learn this. I want to learn that. And normally that goes really quickly because you have also the motivation. If you start the sim, that's something you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, there are some things that just feel good. So it's better, to, maybe maybe the advice is build off what you already really enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah, maybe that. Um, so switching gears a little bit, uh, talk to me about what you're doing with your canopy design. So already our hobby takes so much time. Already you have commitments being a team pilot and now you're going to add this other thing, which is, is design. <laughs> so it sounds like... Um, your, your profession, you already know industrial design. Um, what made you want to start doing that? Uh, that was a coincidence because okay. um, a German F3C pilot, he was searching on Facebook for, um, he had a, a self-made fuselage mm -hmm. and he was searching for some design ideas because he himself, he said, yeah, I'm an engineer. I don't have any design skills. Mm -hmm. And he was like doing a small competition on Facebook. And my ex-boyfriend back then, he said, oh, look, maybe that's something you want to do. And I didn't have any experience in canopy design. And I just said, well, yeah, I can try it, but mm -hmm. I don't know where to start. Mm. And um, I just did some some stuff which really didn't look like any typical canomod canopy stuff you can find out there. It looked, well, I don't know how. <laughs> uh, different. And I just won the competition. Oh, and cool. I, and he said and always he always tagged me on the photos because he was doing uh, world championships all over the planet with his FEC machines and he had about three of them in different color schemes of the design I made. So the people were asking then, oh, I also have a FEC fuselage or a canopy. Can you do a design for me? And so I just said, yeah, okay. I can try it. And so, of course, with every canopy I did, I was getting a bit better and better. Mm. And I never did it officially. And um, I guess it was this year because I'm, since my university career, I'm self-employed mm. because sometimes I do for people logos and you know, video intros and stuff. But, you know, it's not my main job. It's maybe I do something like that once a month. Oh, okay. But I have, to, I have to write bills, so I'm self-employed for that reason. And so I just decided this year, okay, but why not? You did so many canopies, you could fill a portfolio with that. Yeah. So why not doing it officially? And so I created this website. And um, yeah, now on Rotolive this year, I had the possibility to have my own booth, my own table, yeah. and had a banner and some um, business cards, but that's it. So... Yeah, it's it's now now that I'm doing it officially, it's ge getting a bit more professional. So yeah. the boss of Minicopter, 
he just asked me on Road to Life if I want to do a canopy for his new Diabolo. Oh, cool. Um, maybe in the future I will have, but it's still a 50-50%. Sure. I will have a possibility to design some custom canopies for SAB officially. Mm-hmm. And um, I did already one canopy for PSG. That's a small manufacturer here in Germany. They only have one heli, a 700 size, okay. and I did the canopy design for them. Cool. So it's, but I don't do it for earning a lot of money. So, you yeah. know, the, the problem is I only do the Photoshop design. Okay. And I, I, well, you, as you said, I have so much on my plate. If I would, if I would now start to start airbrushing, yeah. <laughs> I guess my boyfriend would kill me. Yeah. But yeah. But also that's, that's not my kind of thing. So I just do the Photoshop design and I give the clients their design and I say, okay, go to whatever airbrusher you want. Mostly if the people don't have an idea, I send them to Kenomod because they are doing a great job. Yeah. And um, the problem is people want to spend money if they have at the end the real product in their hand but as i only do the the graphics they just say yeah but then i'm paying you and i just have a picture mm-hmm. so i don't want to spend a lot of money so my prices are pretty low yeah. because if i do them higher the people just wouldn't pay it yeah yeah that makes sense well, it sounds like you're at the floor level of a, a good a good business plan there, where at least you have people recognizing um, your your art and um, willing to do the rest. Yeah, it's you know I, I just do it more for fun, yeah. for pocket money, and I'm that's the a typical designer thing. So I am happy if I see people tagging. Uh, me on their photos when they are flying my design outside on the flying field all over the world and they just say oh i'm so happy with it and look and it's looking so beautiful and then i'm happy yeah yeah no it's got to feel good who was the guy who hosted the competition what's his name the first one that you um he was a f3c pilot Ah, uh, that was uwe kiesewetter okay all right but he is not flying f3c anymore oh okay Cool. Well, that is definitely um, a lot of stuff to tackle. So you you touched on something there about uh, your your boyfriend and yeah. So all of us I, this weekend at the field, you know, um, we we talk about how it's tough balancing work, family, and then also getting out to the field and flying. And a lot of us catch grief from our significant others on how much time <laughs> we spend in it. So reversing the roles here where you're the woman and you have the boy do you get grief with all the time you spend in this hobby unfortunately not yet oh, okay <laughs> we'll right. see how that develops uh well um, i at first i can tell you that uh-huh. when i was single and uh, i was also dating over tinder and stuff sure i always had in my description rc hobby heli pilot Mm -hmm. and i always had one picture with the heli because i always knew okay they will find out sooner or later yeah just play with open cards and you will not believe it but i would say about 10 percent of the people or maybe 10 15 Uh they didn't like the idea of meeting a woman who is flying rc helis okay so uh most people don't believe me that when i tell them but um they look at you just like 
oh, something must be, be wrong with her if she likes such a technical hobby and uh, 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 uh. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, but yeah, you know, then already at the dating, you can just separate the guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just say, that one is not for me. Separate the wheat um, from the chaff. <laughs> yeah. And um, I had a relationship with a Spanish guy uh -huh. uh, many years ago. And um, he, we, of course, after I finished my Erasmus in Spain, I went back to Germany. He was still in Spain. And um, so we had not so many chances to see each other hmm. but uh well if there was some kind of bank holiday here in germany and there were some events and i just said yeah sorry i have uh, there, there is an important event and i have to go there because my sponsors all also want me to do and he was really angry about the hobby with mm. the time at the beginning it was okay but then he just said like uh, you have to choose between me and the heli and i said don't don't make me do that because that's not good <laughs> That will not work out for you. No, so. no, that's, uh, yeah, you can't make those kind of compromises. You can, you can make a compromise, maybe, um, me and how much time you spend with the heli, but yeah, it's yeah. the same thing with me and my wife, you know, it's like, she understands she can't come in and lay ultimatums down, but at the same token, I have to be very aware of, um, when I, I so I have two daughters. So when all three women in my house are complaining to me, <laughs> <laughs> then, then I have to stop, you know, yeah. I have to leave the garage or not go to the flying field <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. But I, I can say luckily with my actual boyfriend, we are now together nearly two, two and a half years. Okay. Um, he thinks the hobby is cool. It's nothing he would like to do mm -hmm. himself because it's, you know, he's a kind of guy of, um, if I start something, it has to work very oh, um, quickly so he's more drone he would be more drone pilot than a heli pilot yeah so that's my um, wife in a nutshell she goes i don't because i'll come home some days and i'll have crashed a plane and a heli yeah. all in the same day you know and maybe not even got a lot of time flying she goes i don't understand how you can do a hobby where you know you're flying 25% of the time and 75% of the time you're wrenching or trying to repair <laughs> or save up money to fix things I, I can't explain it. It's just, it's who I am. It's part of the hobby. It's, yeah. It would be boring if you never crash, I guess. I think so. I think so. Um, it's frustrating at the time, but I think it's also, um, I don't know, it's in our personality. It's something about us where we need that constant yeah, state you, of... You need, um, you need some crashes to progress, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what I wanted to say, with, with my boyfriends, I'm, I'm very happy that he's not in any kind jealous because, yeah. you know, sometimes you have, it might, it, it's a man's hobby. Sure. And if I travel to Turkey, to Spain, to Athens, to wherever, um, you could, of course, imagine that there are all the pretty young pilots and they are all surrounding you because you're something special as a mm. female in the, in the hobby and blah, blah. Yeah. But uh, I actually, I took him last, last year or was it before? I don't know. I took him here to two fun flies near Cologne. Okay. I said, okay, here you have my barbecue vouchers. Use them. Yeah. <laughs> Eat as much as you want, but sit down here and watch the guys passing by, the typical modelers. Yeah. And then tell me if you want to be jealous. <laughs> and then one hour later, I said, okay, honey, I know I don't have to be jealous because they're not, not your kind of guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we have the same picture. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So moving on from that. So do you do you feel any pressure? Um, so this is actually a good transition. I didn't know if I was going to get into this or not, but um, do you feel pressure to actually be that role model for any young girls? So I have two daughters, right? And I'm trying to figure out how to bring them into the hobby without forcing them into something they don't like. Now, mm -hmm. fortunately, they are curious when I'm building and um, they come out and they'll help me, you know, turn, turn the hex wrench on the helicopters or glue things together on planes. And that mm -hmm. feels good. And I get them on the sim every once in a while. But, you know, they're really not into, um, they're, they're like their mother and that even on the sim when they crash, they feel really bad. <laughs> do, you, do you feel any pressure to be a role model for girls who might be interested in this? Are you just, no, I'm just a heli enthusiast. That's what I am. And the fact that I'm a, a woman in it is just secondary. Well, there are two things. Mm -hmm. The last thing you said with I'm not something special in mm -hmm. this hobby because I'm a woman. I don't I don't want to be treated any different like yeah. the guys. Yeah. Um but I try to raise the flag a bit for the girls mm -hmm. because um I know that there are some women in this hobby uh, that would be interested. So if I go to smaller events, for example here in Germany, I tend to speak a lot with the people directly. I love that on the small events if the people come to you and talk to you and always they have their kids or their their wife with them and as i am a girl also the wives tend to talk to me and say mm -hmm. oh yeah that's very rare that you do that and so i start talking with them and well okay these are not young girls i talk with of course but mm -hmm. um uh, i see that sometimes there are potentials like they would love to try it, but they're too much afraid of doing something wrong. And there's mm. so much technical stuff they would have to learn. And sometimes I feel this, uh, how should I call it? Like this vibe I had back then when I was going to this local store, when they just look at you and say, oh, yeah, you cannot know this. You cannot understand it because you're a girl and mm -hmm. women don't have any clue about technical stuff. And mm -hmm. they are just they can cook and they can clean but they cannot repair anything mm. they don't know how a screwdriver works blah blah right so sometimes i feel that they are afraid that they are getting judged if they even would love to try it that if they are doing it wrong then the guys well maybe not their husbands but the friends of their husband would judge them mm. and say yeah okay but she's just a woman and yeah but she's trying yeah at least she's trying yeah so yeah, but maybe you noticed, uh, well, the last years we were a bit more, uh, act, um, shit, what was the word? Um, active female pilots. Um, and for example, on Global 3D, we are always having a, a Girls United demo slot. Yes, so I think I saw a video of that, yeah. Then we are always trying to fly all together. Yeah. Well, it always depends how many we are because of we are coming from different parts of Germany, even Europe, and who is having time to go there and to travel there. Um, but if I'm also, for example, when I was last year in Turkey and they interview me sometimes, and of course they also come back to, yeah, you're a girl in that hobby, that's something special, and blah, blah. Mm. And 
then I always try to emphasize that if there is a young girl who wants to start with the hobby and she's not sure what to do and what to buy and how to train something, she always can come back to me and ask me over Skype, Facebook, or even the other girls. Not all of them speak English, but... Mm -hmm. Well, it depends where the people come from, but yeah, yeah. we are always there to help. And we would be, of course, I would be happy to see more girls in that hobby. Yeah, but me too. It's 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 very difficult. I, I see that. Yeah. Also, as a woman, sometimes you get into the time where you're starting a family. So that's the next thing for me in the mm -hmm. next few years. And I have to see how I can handle all that. The only thing I know is I don't want to drop the hobby. I will never want to do that. But I guess in the first one, two, three years, it will be really difficult. Yeah. Well, so even <clears throat> just being on the on the dad side of things, I can tell you that I did have to step away from the hobby. I, I was gone. You're not going to want to hear this, but I was gone for seven years. <laughs> oh. Yeah. This. So 2017 was when I really came back strong and my first child I had in 2010 and I was still flying a little bit um for 2010 but just it went from flying literally almost every day to flying maybe once a month and then by 2011 I just wasn't flying much and then when my second one came it was like that's it and I, I just it's more it, I, it was time but also money you know when it's two income with my wife and me then we had money to just spend so if i'm crashing all the time i didn't care but one crash oh, i think oh my oh, don't gosh crash. You know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I'm, i still kind of fly that way now i fly much more timid because i i just can't afford to fix things as quickly as in the past yeah um but anyway yeah no that's that's really cool and and i i think um i don't know me personally i'd like to see because i have daughters more girls feel like they can approach this and not feel um embarrassed or maybe out of place. Yeah, it's, sometimes it's really weird because if if I watch um, social media and we have one big RC Heli forum here in Germany, mm -hmm. if I watch that, sometimes the people judge you and say, yeah, she's just getting sponsored because she's a, a girl or a mm -hmm. female in that hobby. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, I say, yes, but it's it's something special because you guys make it so difficult for the women to start mm, this hobby yeah. because you are judging them so much. So mm. on the other hand, the rare ones that really do it, like me, they have a special opportunity. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, I, I could say it's all their fault. Well, no. And <laughs> you know what? Not this, really, but. This actually transitions into another topic that I wanted to talk with you about because you're doing something else that's uh, above and beyond what a lot of pilots are doing out there. And that's your content creation on YouTube. So uh, I obviously I haven't seen all of your videos, um, but I know that you've been creating content since back in, what was it like 2013 or is it even earlier than that? Uh, I guess it was earlier. Was it earlier? Okay. So for years you've been uh, uh, doing vlogs and how-to videos and um you know demo uh manufacturer demos of, of different products what was the motivation to get into that because i think that's so my thing lately and the reason why i just didn't get back into flying this last year and i've been trying to do things like youtube videos and podcasting is because i feel that as great as our hobby is there's one thing that we're not so good at and that's self-promotion and 
if you look at something like quad racing or quads, those guys, the reason they're getting so much attention and the reason they're out there in the front, and I think we could all learn something from them, is they're very good about talking and sharing what they're doing. Now, obviously, they're videotaping everything. That's part of the hobby. Um, but you've been creating YouTube videos, and I think that's really good that the people out there who are um, you know, going through building or going through learning or competing uh, to really document what they're doing and put it up there. What was your motivation to get started into YouTube? Well, the original motivation isn't uh, that cool as you imagine, I guess. It's mm. just... Uh, I, YouTube started back then, and when I was flying, I was beginning with my 550 machine. Mm -hmm. Some people just asked me, oh, do you have a video of your flight? So I was just using YouTube to upload my content, mm. just to have the possibility to share the video. And uh, I just realized that more and more people were watching it. Of mm -hmm. course, there were a big percentage of people just like, oh, look there, a girl who is flying a big heli. Mm -hmm. um, the other ones were just like, uh, yeah, we like your flying style. and It's cool what you do and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, well, that was the motivation for me to not only upload a video if somebody was asking for it, but also just like, oh, yeah, let's grab a uh, a video of my actual flights now and then every one or two months when I progressed a bit. And yeah, it seemed like the, the people loved it. Mm. And of course, as I got more and more into the sponsoring stuff, uh, my sponsors also said, yeah, well, we would be happy if you do a bit more of social media stuff, yeah, which includes YouTube. And um yeah, well, the more the people knew me and they, if they liked my flying style, for example, they sometimes just asked, okay, how do you set up your model for that kind of flying that you do? So I said, yeah, okay, then if I have, for example, when the Raptor 800 uh, came out, I just said, okay, then I will just document the whole thing, how I build it, how I set it up, what I build in, how I maintain it and fly balls and all that stuff. And I guess the Raptor 800 series is still one of the most viewed and watched uh, playlists on my YouTube channel. This oh, heli okay. is not even manufactured even more. Yeah. But um, still people come to my channel over that kind of videos. And um, yeah, well, it's just like, you know, when you do something and it's, as you know, with the podcast and stuff, so YouTube content to do video content is a lot of work. Oh, because unless the, the podcast where you just have the audio cutting and yeah. videos, sometimes you need music, then what kind of music can you use in the internet without getting um, infringement with right. music com uh, stuff and uh, editing and lighting and microphone and camera setup and uh, yeah, it's so if I build a heli with video documentation, I need about three times yes. as much time as if I do it for myself. That's been my experience. <laughs> and, and, I'm, uh, and I'm so clumsy. I'm clumsy with a camera. I'm clumsy with recording. And, and so I can only imagine when people are precise. There's another guy I've had on the show. Um, he's out of Germany also, Rami RC. And he does these build videos of um, airliners. And his is so cinematic and so beautiful. And my stuff mm -hmm. is just like this dumb guy bumbling around his garage shooting videos. But still, <laughs> even though I'm very low quality and don't have that nice production value, still, I, 
it's three to maybe five times longer just to get things done as if I were to just pull things out of the box and start throwing things together, right? Yeah. So yeah. I know it is a significant um, investment of time, which is why I think that, you know, someone like yourself, even if you're not flying the maneuvers as the other pro pilots, still, you're bringing something that's so valuable by educating the community about different things. Actually, that's something my sponsors always tell me, like, we know that you are not that kind of sponsoring pilot for us that is going out and wins competitions. Mm -hmm. But you are one of the pilots we have that is really doing advertising and marketing stuff. Mm -hmm. And I guess for a manufacturer, that's sometimes even more worth than if you're having a super pro pilot that wins every competition, but you never see him unless you are at the competition and somebody is grabbing a video of him, but then you never know how the quality is. And um, yeah. I guess you have so many rookies and beginners or people that are searching for infos about a model that they are interested in. And if you can grab their attention and just show them, okay, here is a person that is building it and you can watch and uh, also ask the person if you want to I get about sometimes up to 20 emails a day over or also over Facebook and YouTube of people asking me stuff. And I'm not the super duper pro pilot that knows every servo out there and every motor out there, but I still try to help or at least send them to a place where they can get help. So I guess that's also a very important role that people under under expect. Yeah. Underestimate, that's the best word. Right. No, I, and I think I agree with your manufacturer 100% that um, promotion isn't always about, you know, being the fastest on the stick. Promotion is about you know, really getting people excited about what we're doing. And that's where YouTube and Instagram and all this other stuff come into play. It's just showing the people that, you know, flying is, is funny and you can have fun. And also I try to do now since about two years, this kind of vlogs, if I go on a bigger vacation, I would wanted to say vacation, but it's not vacation to an event, for example, mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. Athens, I did a music video about that. And I just show that it's fun to be there and to visit other people in different countries and fly with them and different culture and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, I also, maybe you have seen it, but I could highly recommend it because people just love the video. I did it, I guess it was at the end of last year and it was not about some technical stuff. It was a motivation video. And I was talking about some experiences I also had in my life. It's about people that, uh, how should I describe it? They are afraid of flying in front of other people because they are um, they are scared of uh, getting judged by other people, that they are not good enough. And yeah. for example, if I go to my flying field in Cologne, we have a small WhatsApp group for that. And sometimes we have some new people that were hearing from our group and they ask, oh, can I come and watch uh, you guys fly? No, no. And they also, sometimes they bring the heli with them, but they leave it in the car. Mm. And just uh, when we ask, yeah, but what about your heli? Bring it here, fly. So you are here to fly, aren't you? And they say, nah, I'm not as good as you and mm. I'm scared and I'm just tail hovering and that would be boring for you. And you can tell them as many times as you want like we also started like that we know what it's like and we know that you can have a pulse of 200 yeah. if you're trying to do sight hovering yeah, yeah, yeah. just remember that very well 
but I, I just tell them I'm I'm not bored of that. We are all the same. If I could, if I watch my videos over and over again from my last state of flying, I also get bored because I know my flying style by heart, and there's nothing new I see. But for you, it's it's your heli, it's your time, it's your fun. You enjoy it, and that's all. It's a hobby. It's meant to be fun and not to do more pressure, pressure and more stress on you that you already have in your everyday life, and job, and family, and work, and all stuff you have. It's meant to go out, get your heli out, fly what you feel like, and put the heli back in the car and have a big smile on your face, and then that's it. Yeah. And, and also, you know, even even if you crash it you've got something to think about right and you got an opportunity to rebuild yeah i think and this actually leads into another question i did have for you um about when you are doing demos if there's still anxiety there but i i do think it's unfortunate that you know there are so many things that we do that we're trying to just enjoy life but we get anxious about and and have fear around and so and and certainly with helis depending on the size i mean like I said, I've probably been flying helis maybe since 06, 07. There was a long break. But even now when I spin up a 600, it's kind of scary. Um, yeah. Do you still have any anxiety when you do um, demos where you know a lot of eyeballs are on you? Uh, yes. Mm. The mm. most funny part is that uh, from the mindset, I'm not nervous mm -hmm. because uh, I just know, okay, you – even if you stress yourself a lot, you cannot fly any better than you would do normally. Mm -hmm. So just do what you are feeling comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is that my body sometimes doesn't agree with my mindset. Mm. So uh, I'm going out there and I fly and I'm completely relaxed. The mindset is completely just like, oh, yeah, they've never seen you flying. There will be, of course, there will be some people that say, oh, she's not flying as good as the other guys. But, you know, after nine ten years in this hobby i don't give a shit <laughs> and, yeah 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 and um so i just say no there will be a lot of people that were enjoying your flight and yeah just do what you want to do and i'm completely relaxed and i go out and my hands are shivering like hell oh. on my knees the worst thing is if your knees are shivering because the people will look at your butt also <laughs> yeah and they sometimes, I guess one guy was filming my butt. I guess it was in Spain. And he said, well, were you dancing or what was that? I had to film that instead of the heli. I said, if you upload that, I will kill you. So rude. So rude. But uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm still anxious sometimes. Yeah. But um, not, well, as I said, normally not really the mindset. It's in the, to be stressed really also in the mind. It's very rare. Yeah. Yeah, no. So I guess the the other question I had for you is for people who are not from Germany and they travel mm -hmm. to Germany and they just want to get a little taste of what the RC community is like there. Would you have any recommendations? Uh, <laughs> and in what in what connection? Like, well, OK, so what's your or? favorite place to go to go fly that you would, you know, like maybe a flying field that you think is um, really special over there in Germany? Do you? Have any recommendations? That would mean that I visited all the possible flights. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. You, you know what? That is a funny question because I wouldn't be able to tell anyone. If you, like U.S., it's a big place. I don't know. Yes. Uh, um, well, I could say uh, we have 
uh, we have some areas here in Germany where we have more or less mountains. Uh-huh. So in the south, if you go to the Alps, to South Bavaria, where I come from, originally I come from Munich, um, we have some very pretty spots there. Um, but also here around Cologne, if you go down the river, the Rhine, to, I would say, Koblenz, we have there some wine uh, mountains. So I guess there would also be some pretty places. I've never been up to the north, to the North Sea, unfortunately, so I cannot tell anything about there. Okay. Um, well, we have some pretty places in Germany. We have some not so pretty places, but I guess that differs on everybody's taste. So. Okay. What's something that's uniquely German that if I go to Germany, I need to experience, whether it be food or some kind of activity? Well, I guess you guys from America, you have the imagination that we are all running around like in Munich with, <laughs> with leather trousers and stuff. <laughs> That's at least the the, Im, uh, the image that I get if I talk sometimes to American people here in Germany, just like, ah, you are not running around in Dirndl and Lederhosen. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Germany is a bit bigger than just Munich. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, um, well, some typical, f- we have um, very tasteful kitchen like Käsespätzle, which is okay. a kind of pasta with about five different kinds of cheese over it. Okay. And caramelized, caramelized onions on it, if you find a good place to have it. Of course, the German beer. Yes. I guess you don't have to tell that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My father is a beer brewer, so I just grew oh, up with that. Okay. <laughs> um, well, what else? A Flammkuchen, which is, I don't know how to translate that, but it's a bit of, I guess it originally comes from France, but we adapted it. Okay. Uh, well, then the typical typical German food is a lot with potatoes, a lot meat, sausages kind of things. In the upper north, we have some very good fish stuff, but I don't eat fish, so I'm not so used to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I would say if you like good German food, then go to the south of Germany because they, in my opinion, have the best food. Okay, <laughs> definitely check it out. Um, and then I guess, what, do you have any goals for 2018? What does your season look like? Are you, um, planning? I know you, I saw your videos for Rotor Live, so that was probably a big one for you. Is there any other big events that you're planning on going to? Uh, well, I will go to Turkey two times again this year. Okay. Uh, it's one organizer who was inviting me last year two times. So in the mid of the year, they have a model show and at the end of the year they have a big air show hmm. um i will go there twice then well then there is the sab was building a new factory in italy mm-hmm. and it will have a grand open up at the end of may and i have to look if i can go there depending on the flight prices um there was one SAB team pilot from Finland who mm-hmm. was speaking to me at Rotolife and he said they want to organize something in Finland, oh, but cool. they don't have a date yet, but okay. they would like to invite me. So that would be very cool. Yeah, um, yeah and there's one guy, maybe you saw the, the video of uh, me where I was talking about my new uh, caps, a guy from the USA, Robert Westcott, he did it f- uh, for me with my logo on it, stitched. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, he's right now in the last two weeks, he's very excited of getting me to the US because I've never been to the US. I always wanted to go. But as you can imagine, you pay for your own ticket and then yeah. you pay nearly twice because you have to take the heli with you. Yeah. And um, yeah, and he's just said, yeah, we have in August and September, we have some big fun flies here and I want to get you over here. And it I just say, okay, but it's so much money and I feel so bad if people pay so much money for me. And uh, But we will see. Maybe that works out. So okay. maybe I will be having my first time in the US. Okay, cool. Uh, and personal stuff is like, um, yeah, I want to find a balance this year between gym and heli flying, of course. And uh, yeah, I want to do my first proper music choreography this year awesome so we yeah, are looking we'll forward to that works <laughs> yeah yeah do you okay so give us a little hint what kind of music i mean actually you went into it earlier you're going to have some slow stuff what kind of songs are you thinking of right now uh, at the moment i have one part is from my old music choreography i already have the maneuvers for it it's you know maybe this song title from the good the bad and the ugly oh yeah yeah and there's a remix of that, a modern remix. So okay. that will be the first part, slow part. Then, mm. yeah, then comes a small metal part. Nice. About 30 seconds or something. Okay. Then um, maybe something from, uh, how was it called? Uh, a Little Party Never Killed Nobody from The Big Gatsby. Um, because I have one tail-shaking maneuver I want to try to include. Sweet. And the last part, yeah, I still have to think about that. Mm, mm. So, but I just want um, to have a good mixture between all kinds of music styles. And I also want to do something that makes people smile a bit. So in my last choreography from two years ago, I wanted to do as the last song, uh, Nintendo Tetris uh, oh, yeah, yeah. remix. <laughs> cool. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm from the generation who were playing Game Boy and Tetris like hell. Yeah. So I think, well, except the younger ones who maybe don't even know what a floppy disk or a Game Boy was. Um, but most of the people know the, that music. Yeah. So that makes the people smile. And I guess that's a good thing. If you cannot do something very super spectacular, then at least make them smile with a good choice of music. Yeah. What, what are you doing for your workout? Is it? Uh, weightlifting, CrossFit, what kind of stuff are you doing? A CrossFit, I would love to do CrossFit, but every time when I watch those guys, because they are having their classes in the same gym, mm -hmm. I just say, oh, how do they survive yeah. that? <laughs> Maybe sometime, but not yet. Yeah. Now, um, I'm in a gym, which is a local gym about five minutes around the corner from here. It's a, not a big chain. It's a small one. And uh, I do typical weightlifting stuff. Okay. That's good. So, yeah. Yeah. This stuff you need to build a bit of muscle. Yeah. I was in the in the wrong interpretation all the last years uh, of my life when I tried to lose a bit of weight that you just have to do jogging like hell. Oh, no, you need as muscle. Soon as you, yeah, yeah, as soon as you start thinking about how your body works, then you just realize okay, it's very counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah, you you need the muscle cuz the muscle will burn calories even when you sleep. So yeah, the, like, muscle also, uh, the, the muscles are also forming your yep. body and just getting slim without any muscles mostly looks bad. Yeah. Yeah, I always, so my household is interesting because for me, I am I do jog. I used to cycle a lot. I, I do like um, 
endurance type activities, not as much anymore, but um, we're very divided because I think that power and muscle is the most important thing. And my wife is an endurance athlete. And so she thinks just go run for four hours, but I go, no, that's not, that's just bad for your joints, but she loves it. So what can you do? It's like us with helis. Helis are bad for your bank account, but it's still fun. But I guess most most of the hobbies have the definition that they are bad for your bank account. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Cool. Well, is there any last items that you want to leave us with? How do people follow you? Obviously, we talked about your YouTube channel. Is there any other um, social media you want to promote? Well, uh, I have since last year, I have my Instagram account. Mm-hmm. So you'll find me there also with my name. Um, but it's not so much about Helly's. The Instagram account is more about personal life and sure. uh, fitness. Yeah. And I also, well, as you already said, I have so much on my plate, but I decided that I need more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. You only live once. Yeah, yeah. I only don't know how I do it. It seems that I have a time re- machine running somewhere, but yeah. uh, I just enjoyed uh, of photo shootings. And um, so I discovered these kind of TFP shootings, which okay. mean that you uh, agree with a photographer that he can take photos of you and you don't pay him. He doesn't mm-hmm. pay you, yeah. but you get the photos at the end and he gets the photos at the end. So you have a beautiful choice of different kind of photographers that have all unique styles and experiences. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do fashion shoots. Sometimes I do heli shoots. Sometimes I do, I don't know let's say underwear shoots and uh, outdoor sports, fitness. And um, so you get all kinds of very beautiful photos and you don't pay for them. And so I just have built a small portfolio about that also. And so about once a month I have a photo shoot running and I really enjoy doing that. That's mostly my Instagram about, not so much about Heli. Well, then, of course, my my YouTube, where I try to deliver content as much as possible. I also have the problem that um, long time I didn't know in which language I should do them Mm. because I think my English is good enough to do videos in English, but then German people complain that they don't understand anything. Yeah, you're in a pickle. Now I do them in German and I always have to do subtitles for the videos. So if I have something like a vlog, which is about 40 minutes, then you can imagine how long I sit there to translate everything. (laughs) Um, You know what? We'll do this offline, but I'll send you a couple sites that do transcription. But I don't know if they would do German. Uh, They are not really usable for for heli stuff. Fair enough. As soon as you have some special words in it, it just comes a lot of crap out. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, but my YouTube, my YouTube is, I try to upload at least every two weeks, something, I guess as soon as the season starts and I do more flying and I go more to events, there will be more content. Uh, Facebook, of course, I always try to remind people that they don't try to add me on my personal profile because my profile is full Mm. at 5,000 friends. Facebook just does a cut and says, okay, you cannot be a non-commercial person because nobody has 5,000 friends. Yeah. So uh, I just have also an official site where I also post all my heli stuff, but it seems that it's not that interesting for the people, just like being a, in in quotation marks, real friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah well, Facebook do, you, do you have a page? Do you have a Facebook page also? Yes, yes. It's oh. the same. Yeah. It's also called Simone Zunderer. Got it. It's the same. 
But uh, yeah, I guess I have to throw the people more and more onto that because I still have about 400 friends requests ongoing and I have to write to everybody. Sorry, I cannot accept you because. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Facebook is mostly all about heli, sometimes okay. a bit of personal life, um, but mostly heli stuff. Uh, do I have something else? No, I don't think so. Well, that's, I had a, that's a lot, a, a, like you said. <laughs> yeah, I had a website with a personal blog, but I stopped that. It's still online, and you can find all my heli setups there okay. and photos and pictures. But uh, I don't do news updates there because I also had to do that in two languages, and it was too much. Yeah, I can appreciate that. That is a little bit overwhelming. Cool. Well, Zimone, thank you so much. Uh, for taking the time to chat with me and um, yeah I'm excited about this season yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> cool I'm excited if I will have the possibility to come to the US because it seems that I have so many people following me over there I think so like I if said I, look at I, I think YouTube I guess they're on third place third ranking of my viewers oh you know what that was another question I did have that's a quick one so what what is your viewership look like obviously Germany number one yeah, Germany is always number one, but uh, the first top three, the, let's say the second, the third, and the fourth, they are always changing. So a long time I had Switzerland and Austria. Okay, that makes as sense. As you could think, so of yeah, course, yeah. yeah, same language. Uh, yeah. But uh, I guess now I have United Kingdom and uh, America. Okay, cool. And the top three, always sometimes changing ranking, but America and UK are really one of the top ones. Okay, nice. That's for me really nice because I, I really like the people over there. I love to go to the UK because the people are so nice and so funny over there. And, well, I didn't have the possibility to get to know the people from America in person in their country, but yeah. the persons I met were really nice. And that's also one reason I would like to go over there and to join some fun flies. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you. Cool. Um well, thank you very much, and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Yes, of course. I'd right. be happy to do that. Right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hobby Geek Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to my channel. Uh, sorry, subscribe to the podcast and like the episode, like the podcast. Uh, need all the support that I can get. If you have any questions or comments, again, you can reach me at comments at hobbygeek.net.